Welcome to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. This is episode 95, and today is Wednesday, May 5th, and boy, do we have a great show for you guys today. I'm going to be joined by my father, Jeff Robbins, at the start. We've been waiting for his appearance. He's back today. We're going to talk some NFL drafts, some Aaron Rodgers, some NBA, Western Conference playoff update, a little check-in with the state of big men in the NBA. Should be an interesting conversation, as well as looking at the best state of baseball, California. And then later in the show, I will be joined by Peter Gonzalez to talk about all the latest things that are coming in the future of the MCU, as well as ranking our top five villains in the MCU. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe. Leave a five-star review because that actually moves us up in the podcast chart. More people can see us. Many of you are, have already done that, so shout out to all of you, shout out to listeners. Let's ride. All right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob, episode 95, and for today's show, we are going to dive into the NFL draft at first, talk a little Aaron Rodgers, talk some NBA, talk about maybe some of the differences we're seeing in the NBA today that aren't so good for the league. A nice tease there. We'll get to that as well as we'll check back in with the greatest baseball state in this great country, California. We'll talk all about Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Buster Posey, and the Dodgers losing, which is a great thing to talk about on this podcast. Um, And to do that, I will be joined by a name that you guys have not heard in quite some time, a living legend to say, a good friend of the program, Stephen Facer, requested that we get more of this guy on the pod. So, ladies and gentlemen, I will start. I will stop talking and introduce to introduce the man of the hour, Jeff Robbins, my father. How are you doing? Coming to you from beautiful San Clemente today. Mm-hmm. Nice to have the couch on the road. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be back. Oh, it's great to have you. Um, and we got a lot of things to talk about today. Um, and it's good that we have you specifically for this episode because your favorite football team just drafted what you hope is a new franchise quarterback. We've heard your complaints about Jimmy G through the last year. Jimmy G sucks. On the pineapple couch. We know you feel that way. So Trey Lance headed to the 49ers. Let's get right into this NFL draft talk. Initial reaction to getting Trey Lance. We'll get into the Rodgers stuff later because I know that was on your mind. Let's try and forget about that for now. How do you feel about the mother Trey hater? Lance? Are you talking about? Are you referencing the mother hater? The mother hater. Yes, okay. we will talk about him later. But Trey Lance pairing up with Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, hopefully plays this season. What are your thoughts? Were you stoked when they got him? What do you expect from him this year? I was very happy that they took him. Not so much because I knew a lot about Trey Lance, but rather I did not want them trading up in order to get Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. I just. Mac Jones might be okay. End up going 15. And to the Patriots, right? Which is a nice situation, but they trading up to take him at three. I don't three. know how good a situation it is. He's going to have to step in and immediate. Who's going to quarterback there besides him? Well, I mean, Cam Newton, but they just they re-signed Cam Newton, which I don't understand. Which is the complete but opposite they don't, in terms of style from Mac mm-hmm. Jones. Let's get back. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Let's get back to your Niners and Trey Lance, though. Um, you're the inventor of... Our favorite phrase here on the Pineapple Couch, the stallion, to when we refer to Josh Allen. Josh Allen did give his endorsement of Trey Lance, you know, smaller college QBs coming in, um, not that well known. You're, he, look, you looks, have an athletic quarterback who can, who has a cannon, and you're he, pairing him with a guy who made Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan look good. I think Kyle Shanahan sees 
where the league is going in terms of the mobility you need from a quarterback. And Lance gives him that, arguably. It's tough. His film looks great, but, you know, he's playing against guys that that aren't as good. And but there's not much of it. He threw – I read a statistic that the average first-round quarterback – over the last whatever years, mm-hmm. has thrown something like 1,200 passes in college. He's thrown 300. And and at North Dakota State. North Dakota State, which is a football school. Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good program. And I think he has lots of upside that Mac Jones doesn't have, but he could be a total train wreck. Let's mm-hmm. be honest, we don't know. We don't know, but one thing that I think you should keep in consideration is that the Niners were – pretty much since they made that trade on the clock because we knew that Trevor Lawrence was going to go to Jacksonville and that Zach Wilson was going to go to the New York Jets. We pretty much knew that. And all signs were pointing to them taking maybe Mac Jones, Justin Fields. But after they meet with all these quarterbacks, there was something they liked about Trey Lance a lot more than the other two, and they specifically mentioned the way he is with the playbook. Well, they traded up for that pick the day after they had Trey Lance scouted <clears throat> scouted for a workout oh there we go that can't really be a coincidence Mm-mm. and that pick doesn't make sense unless you know that that trevor Lawrence, <clears throat> trevor lawrence and zach wilson are going mm-hmm. one two and you know what you're going to be able to get in that spot and you know that you're going to get it mm-hmm. so i think that was something they had planned for a long time so as a 49ers Fan, You have a team that is a year out removed from the Super Bowl. Um, an incredible defense. You didn't say goodbye to Nick Bosa, despite the various trade rumors this offseason linked with him and just quarterbacks because the 49ers are a good destination. You've said hopefully goodbye to Jimmy G as the long-term quarterback. We'll see when Trey Lance comes in. But with this team, do you have high expectations for this season? Well, they're coming off like the worst injury season ever on top of that. Um, they're loaded at the skill positions. Didn't they pick up a running back, too, in the draft? Mm-hmm. And I believe they picked up a tight end. Another tight end. It'd be interesting with the two tight ends. Uh, I could be wrong. Kittle that could be good. Actually, no, I'm wrong. The Chargers got a tight end. Carry on. Okay. So um, their defense is stacked. If Bosa comes back, they're, they could – contend for a Super Bowl. Is Trey Lance going to win a Super Bowl in his first year? Probably not. Do you think Trey Lance will start this year? Probably not. If they keep Jimmy G. That's but the, the thing with end. Jimmy G is it sounds like they're going to keep him. He's incredibly injury prone. So who knows? Maybe Trey Lance is thrown in there like week three or four, like Nick Mullins has been thrown in the past and Bethard. Yeah, and Nick Mullins was not a high draft pick. You don't draft a guy number three to sit him on the bench for long. And we've seen the success that a lot of rookie quarterbacks have had straight out of the gate recently in the NFL. Last year, the Chargers weren't going to start Justin Herbert, and then the freak thing happens with Tyrod Taylor. And it's like, thank God, Anthony Lynn somehow stumbled his way into a good decision. So It could be good for Jimmy G in the short run. I mean, that competition is good. Jimmy G, here's my thing about I know you're all Jimmy G's trash. He just this. misses big throws and he can't handle he took, pressure. He in was face. in a Super Bowl. No, but it's way more. He has terrible footwork. He misses guys. And at big moments, he doesn't show up. I mean, would you have been worried, though, if Jimmy G went to New England? Like, oh, he's going to be great there? 
or are you that out on that product? Because, I mean, it is crazy. Like, I know in that Super Bowl run, Jimmy G was not an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, but... Dude, it was way worse than that. If you remember, in the he NFC still got to a Super Bowl with the guy. In the NFC Championship, he threw the ball like 10 times. I know. Okay, there's a reason why I guess you're the you're offensive right. coordinator and you don't want your quarterback to throw in today's NFL. They clearly don't want him to have to throw. I mean, imagine you pair George Kittle with an elite quarterback. Holy crap. I mean, they, he just misses Kittle all the time. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just not good. Um, I will. I have one last question for you regarding the NFL draft. I, I One or two. Well, hold on. I got some... I have let me let is me ask Zach this. Wilson going to be better in his first year than Trevor Lawrence? That's my question. I say yes. I mean, well, you got to think about the what they have around them. I think Trevor Lawrence arguably has a better supporting cast around him than he, he that Zach Wilson has with the Jets. Yeah, yeah, he does. And I think that Trevor Lawrence is the best looking prospect in terms of a quarterback like like all that he's done and his, I mean, like his maybe. arm like I I think Trevor Lawrence just can't miss. Zach Wilson, I think, will be good, but I don't expect Zach Wilson to come out of the gate like on fire. I don't. I mean, he play. I love BYU. Shout out to my guy Stephen Facer. But Zach Wilson has not played a ton of games in college. He played this season and the season before, but he was relatively unknown coming into the season. Zach Wilson makes a lot more sense. He's like with a Trey Lance. Maybe you do not start him right away. I mean, they're probably going to. I have a lot more faith in Lawrence, though even though I really don't think Urban Meyer will be a good NFL coach. And without it being a knock on Trevor Lawrence, it could be my affinity for my birth state of Utah. Mm-hmm. It could be my fondness for the great Stephen Facer. But I think Zach Wilson is going to come out and explode. You think I it's going to be like that? I think he's going to be really, really good. I mean, he's got all the intangibles. He's a winner. Mormon he, guy in New York. That's going to be hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny looking at him. He'll be able to handle it. He won't be out at the nightclubs at 2 in the morning. Oh, he won't. He's, he's a good boy. He's going to be asleep. Yeah. And it was funny to see him with all the other... Uh, Is he married? I don't know. A lot of those guys that be, come out of BYU, like the great Stephen Facer, mm-hmm. come out of that with a wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I bet he's probably he's, No, but he's kids. like... He didn't go... He didn't go on a mission. He didn't go on a mission, and he left BYU early. He's like 21, so I would – who knows? Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. I want to talk, talk yeah. about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers completely stole the show, all the storylines, all the media on draft day as a sort of F you, I guess, to the Packers. When in reality, not that I'd give too much of a shit if the third-round pick the player in the third round gets his shine. I'm not going to act like I really care about that. Like, yeah, it's cool, but I'm not going to act mad that that didn't happen. It's just a douche move. It's a douche move by Aaron Rodgers. And another one. Yeah, I mean, he hates his mom. We've talked about this on the show before. He literally hates his mom. He's just that guy that's hanging out with a group of people that thinks he's really cool, but everyone kind of knows he isn't. Mm -hmm. And he's... I'm glad he's not coming to the 49ers. Although, if he had come to the 49ers, I would have been very excited just because he's like the missing piece for mm-hmm. that team. But he's just a douche. He's a big douche. And I, I don't understand the idea that he is going to go just host Jeopardy. He's not. He's not going back to Green Bay. I mean, could oh, okay. he have torched that bridge he's, anymore? I agree that he's not going back to Green Bay. I actually think he's going to go to Denver. But I had a couple things the on The Denver draft picks make no sense. 
unless they already have a deal <laughs> for Aaron Rodgers. I have some quotes from some older quarterbacks on the Aaron Rodgers situation that I think are interesting. Former Green Bay Packer Brett Favre. Say what you want about Brett Favre, what you think about him. I think he, I think he has a point here. He says, I think I know Aaron fairly well, and honestly, I just don't see him coming back and just saying, all right, let's just bury the hatchet. Whatever caused the riff, and I'm just going to come back and play because I love the guys and I love the Green Bay fans. I assume he does, but his rift isn't with the fans or the players. It's with the front office. Will he just swallow his pride and come in? Maybe, but I don't see that happening. If there's not a trade, my gut tells me that he'd rather sit out than play. That's just my gut. There's no reason for me to say that other than that's what my gut is telling me. I think you guys know Aaron fairly well enough to sort of feel the same way. I think that's fair. I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't give a shit, and he might, like, he'd just not play. Well, I think, I think they we're already at have that a, point. I think they already have a deal for him to go to Denver. That deal makes the most sense from a salary cap perspective after June 1st. Denver's draft picks don't make any sense unless – because they could have taken Justin Fields or Mac Jones with mm-hmm. their spot. And um, I think he's going to Denver. Not, by the way, I'm not sold on either of those. By guys. the way, he, and Brett Favre, when he says he doesn't have a rift with the players – or the fans, right? He does now. Oh, yeah, he totally does. And, well, I mean, I'll bring this up. If you're it, a receiver, he just told you you suck. Devontae Adams tweeted yesterday, appreciate things when you're in the moment or some shit like that. And, I mean, first of all, he always complains about having no weapons. You have Devontae Adams. You have Devontae Adams. And Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones. And I know the draft pick thing, but another thing that came out recently is that there's all this stuff that's been leaked out about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this was orchestrated. This yeah. came out, uh, Schefter got a little bit, Rappaport got a little bit. Everybody got a different little piece. Typical Aaron Rodgers. Very orchestrated. And um, it came out that he's like been calling the GM Jerry Krause. It was like a reference at the Bulls' infamous GM that was in the last dance at the end of the 90s that forced Jordan out. Uh, that won six championships. Yeah. That guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers wishes he had six championships. He does. He, he does. Jerry Krause has a better he... resume than him at mm-hmm. what he does. And speaking of someone who has a lot of championships, let's go to Terry Bradshaw's thoughts. Oh, but wait a minute. Because Terry Bradshaw rips Aaron Rodgers but a new one. Before we move on, going back to Denver, if he does go to Denver, they have some weapons. Oh, fuck Jerry Judy. Fuck the donkeys. I mean, they'd, What's, they'd be good. I mean, you know what I have to say? It makes sense that somebody who doesn't love their mother would go play for the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos Chargers are a trash fan. organization. The worst organization in football. They make the Raiders look good. The Donkeys are awful. Dude. Fuck Aaron Rodgers and fuck the Donkeys. Dude, the Chargers have never won a Super Bowl. And the, the Broncos have won, like, three. What does that have to do with my hatred well, You said they're them? the worst organization in the NFL. That's, there's lots of organizations that are worse than the Broncos, including the Chargers. So you're just trying to be a dick? Or like no, what? I'm just trying to bring some objectivity to the to the couch. Oh, I'm glad. You should go get your fucking Denver Broncos hat on, you stupid Donkeys fan. You like I'm the guy who doesn't love fan. his mom. I'm All right. an objective Let's observer. Let's go Terry Bradshaw's quote on Aaron Rodgers. Trying to help the fans of the oh, couch. shut up. They don't need your help. Like Stephen Facer. Terry, Terry Bradshaw said, with him being that upset shows me how weak he is. Who the hell cares who you draft? I mean, he's a three-time MVP in the league. And he's worried about this guy they drafted last year at number one. And for him to be upset, my God, I don't understand that. Pittsburgh drafted Mark Malone number one, Cliff Stout in the third or fourth round. And I had them coming at me from all angles. I embraced it because when we went to practice, I wasn't worried about those guys, you know. They didn't scare me a bit. So I don't understand why he's so upset at Green Bay. 
And then if they fire the general manager, he'll come back. Are you kidding me? Really, Aaron? That's where this is? Um, yeah. That's well said. And the, the sort of running away from competition is a big thing. Keep in mind, I'll give you an a example. The 49ers brought in Steve Young when Joe Montana was at in his prime. And, and Bill Walsh came out and said, it's an open job, open competition. <laughs> it pissed Joe off. Oh, but mm -hmm. he competed. Well, we're in the era of pre-Madonnas. And when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, he should play in the NBA. I mean, beat him out. You're afraid of Jordan Love? I mean, Jesus Christ. The dude threw so many picks at Utah State. Now, I, Joe, I'm a big Jordan Love fan. I think Jordan Love is going to do well. But really, Aaron Rodgers, you, you're worried about losing your job to Jordan Love? I just think that's He just lame. wants his ass kissed in every angle, and I don't even think it has anything to do with that. He just doesn't want to be in Wisconsin. He wants to live in L.A. or on the West Coast. He's going to settle for Denver. <laughs> Sucks to be there. Fuck the Broncos. Um, and he's going to, whoever, whatever new celebrity he's dating as he goes on in his star-fucking ways, it's Aaron Rodgers. All that's kind of true. I think also... He wants to win a Super Bowl, and I don't think he thinks he can do it in Green Bay, right or wrong. I think he thinks that. Denver Broncos are not. I think he Super also Bowl watched Tom Brady Rogers. go to Tampa and win a Super Bowl, and thinks he's. It's like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Which I'm not saying he's right, but I think he thinks that. And he's delusional. He thinks he's going to host Jeopardy too. Is this guy who thinks he's smart? It's just all this crap, and he will be. This is just a warning to the Pineapple Couch listeners. I mean, you can, if you don't think, if you think this is an over-exaggeration, tell me. I think Aaron Rodgers would be my most hated player in the NFL if he's on the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I can see you feeling that way. Aaron Rodgers. You're going to put Rodgers into a division that already has Mahomes and Herbert? Oh, that would be some great games. It's going to be some great games. I'm sorry to Kyle and Chris from the couch, the Raiders, Derek Carr. You guys are screwed. Aaron Rodgers is an uncool they guy. They might get, they're rumored. The Raiders are rumored for Rodgers. He's an uncool guy that thinks he's cool. He's mm -hmm. the worst guys. Yeah. Because they act around, you know, and everyone's kind of like, dude. So your money's like, on him going to Denver, though? I just don't think Denver's draft makes any sense unless they already have that deal in the bag. And this is the dude that drafted Paxton Lynch and then brought in Joe Flacco to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's a former championship winning quarterback. That could be wrong. We'll see. I think – I just don't want to believe it is, I think, why I'm being I thought home. he was coming to the Niners. I, I did, I really too. Did. I, I mean, there was a rumor straight out there that the deal was – like Aaron Rodgers went to bed thinking he was traded to the 49ers. So is none of that true? Is that just all BS? Because the 49ers haven't said shit. I know. I just don't. Maybe this is. I think this is all just coming from Aaron all Rodgers' BS. camp. It's I think all that's bullshit. all BS. Yeah. I think the 49ers were always taking Trey Lance. They mm -hmm. traded up to that I bet spot. they entered. I mean, there is. It, it has been confirmed that the 49ers called on Wednesday. The Wednesday before, or the Tuesday or Wednesday before the draft, they called. Well, I mean, Aaron that's Rogers. the GM's job. I know, but that doesn't mean every it's all single GM in the NFL should have called about Aaron Rodgers. The 49ers, though, yes, you're true, but the 49ers are one of the three teams Aaron Rodgers said he'd go to, and yeah. they're one of the teams that have the capital to move for him. So that's and why they it said makes no. significance. I think they said no. We don't. I mean, I was talking to you the day of this. I did not think they should. If I were them, I would not have traded Nick Bosa for Aaron Rodgers. Well, let's say and that Nick they Bosa have the top Den five player in the league. Let's say they have the Denver deal. What is it? It's the pick. Who else do they get? You're going to get a pick. You're going to get a bunch of picks. You're going to get a bunch of picks, and I can't. If off Stafford the top of my got head, three number ones, what's Aaron Rodgers get? Is he going to fetch like four number ones, two number twos, and like uh, Drew Locke? Packers are going to be 
sitting on a big package. Yeah, they'll have a lot. Um, and they're not a team who really ever signs free agents, so they if need. If Jordan draft Love's picks. good, and those draft picks are work out, that's a that's a franchise difference maker for the long run. I agree. Um, let's go right now, really quickly. If you're looking, we got a, lo- a lot of young QBs here in the NFL, a lot of young, good QBs that have been put into action pretty early on in their career, and it seems like every year more and more quarterbacks are drafted in the first round. So a little exercise here. Who would you say are the top three young quarterbacks in the NFL? Um, Let's just take Mahomes out. Mahomes, I have it. No, he's one. Yeah, okay. Everybody, he's the best quarterback. It doesn't matter if he's young mm-hmm. or old, probably. And number so, two is Josh Allen. Well, who else is what are who what's the pool? Who are we ranking? You got uh Joe Burrow, Trevor, all the quarterbacks drafted. You like got Justin Tua, Herbert, Darnold, Tua, Darnold. Blake, uh what's his face in Cleveland? Baker Mayfield, Baker. Lamar Jackson. I mean, I think Josh Allen is the number two behind Mahomes. Not even like, I don't even think it's really close. Yeah, and I think the number three and it's not close is Justin Herbert. Well, Trey Lance. Okay, it's clearly going to be number three. I think it's Herbert, and then you could make the argument at four for Burrow, and then it's like Lawrence just based on his college, and then I don't know. I mean, do we think Lawrence is going to be better than Baker Mayfield? Probably, I think so, but nothing's for sure. Herbert looked so spectacular last year. Herbert could get better than Allen. He hasn't. He's on that level. He 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 hasn't. He doesn't have the stallion in him. Yeah, but he. Tell me if I'm delusional and. I will preface this by saying the Chargers are cursed and we'll fuck up, we'll fuck it up in all these scenarios. So let, for the purpose of that, let's just take that aspect of it out, even though it's impossible to. I could totally. There will be games, unless I'm delusional. Herbert can go toe to toe with Mahomes in like a, a scoring shootout. From it, what we saw, it out sure of him, looked like it. He I can throw can the deep. That. He throws the, the deep ball as well he's as anyone too. in the league. He's, he's, and he's tough. And he's tough. He's he looks like he's twelve years old under. He his looks helmet. older than Zach Wilson though. Yeah, he Zach Wilson looks fourteen. It's like if you're gonna draw a specimen of a Mormon athlete, you would draw Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. It's like the most pure looking guy, just happy, mm-hmm. ready. Seems like a solid ready. dude. Seems like a solid he's so, dude. He was so fired up at the draft. Did he also at BYU. Maybe the, the most man. electric player in college football. Last Dude, he year. was so fun to he watch. He was so fun to watch. Devontae Smith, enjoy the Heisman. You played in the all those big games, I know, but Zach it, Wilson, that headband at BYU, he was electric. Yeah, and he was throwing, like, all deep balls. Mm-hmm. And no screens. The two best, long. my two favorite teams in college football last year have to be BYU and Coastal Carolina because they were the only ones that were smart enough, brave enough to go schedule a game because of all the bullshit yeah, that was going BYU on. What BYU did last year for college football cannot be understated. Yeah, that, that was huge for the rest of that was awesome. college football because they just said, you know, whatever, we're going to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was huge. So let's now, Dad, let's move into the NBA. And we have a couple things that we're going to get into with the NBA pretty big. But I first very wanted to check in. Very passionate on NBA discussion. The NBA Western Conference standings right now. Because last time we checked, it was very tight, and it still is, folks, in, at the end of the West. So the 5-6-7 in the West is the Mavericks-Lakers-Trailblazers right now. The Mavericks and Lakers are tied, and the Trailblazers are a game back. Big game tomorrow night between the Trailblazers and the Lakers, where LeBron James will not be playing. If there is a tiebreaker, if there's a tie between these three teams, the Lakers, Mavericks, and Trailblazers, which it is like possible, very possible going down the stretch, the Mavericks 
get the highest seed because they are the division winner, which is huge. And what also has kind of gone unnoticed as all that has been talked about has been that the Warriors have slid up from the 10 to the 8 because the Grizzlies are 4 and 6 in their last 10. But doesn't that mean they they just get a home they, game for the play-in? Yeah, game. they get a they only have to win one game in the play-in, which is one game. Mm-hmm. The play-in isn't a round of 3. If right? you're they a 9-10, you have to win two games. Okay. So okay. like, yeah. So um I mean, I think that is going to be very fun to see Steph Curry in a playing game obviously. I have my biases there. Um so just checking, we're going to keep track on that in the West too because the Pelicans are only two games behind the Spurs. And they really need to finish almost perfectly to pull this off, but the Spurs have lost four in a row, so they could be falling off. Would you rather, let's say, so what are they going to do at Golden State, let in 1,000 people? If you Would you rather pay, play, let's say they play a team that, you know, is like loading up the stadium. Mm-hmm. That's no, every NBA stadium is the same, though. Uh, but let's just say, would you rather play on the road, in a, if you're Steph Curry, not if you're just some Joe Schmo. Okay. But if you're Steph Curry, would you rather play on the road with a screaming crowd? On the road with screaming crowd. Or on the at home with nobody there. Curry wants the crowd. Yeah, he, he wants the up. crowd. He's like magic in that way. I mean, you ask. I mean, think most most superstars would say, "Give me the crowd." Yeah, I think that's right. So, I don't know if LeBron would. Shots fired. Um, let's. I talk, don't know if LeBron would. I, I know KD would. Yeah, I, I think so. Clay would. Yeah. Kobe would. Oh, Magic yeah. would. Yeah. Shaq would. Bird would. Just don't know if LeBron would. You know who definitely would? Michael fucking Jordan. Because his record in the finals, Dad? 6 Michael 0? Jordan wouldn't carry and kill you anywhere. Did I just have a quick question. If any of the LeBron fans are listening right now, um, did Michael Jordan ever go to a Game 7 in the NBA Finals, Dad? No. He won two. He had two three-peats, correct? Yeah. And, and he, he retired in between. Yeah. Hmm. It's just, it's just wild. Wow. How quickly we forget. Let's now talk about NBA with, post With that players. said, he did lose several times in the playoffs before he got to the finals. Yeah, but he's 6-0 in the NBA finals. Yeah, and you can't take that away. Nothing. It's like Joe Montana being 4-0 in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. 4-0. No picks. Yeah, well, Brady's got seven now. So that's tough. Lots of picks. Lots of Super Bowl losses. Seven. Um, Four and NBA best post players. This is a little argument we had last night. We we're talking about physical players in the post in the NBA. And you obviously, the first thing that comes to everyone's mind when you think of that player in the modern NBA, Joel Embiid. Yes. And then you start to think after that. And I, which I will admit I was wrong when we were talking about this last night. I'm thinking physical. I said, okay, Giannis. He probably, but he's not, he faces up a lot. I thought he got a good amount of post uh, possessions a game. Not really. He gets about four to five, and he doesn't score that much off it. 3.2 points per game scored in the post compared to 10 from Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's post numbers are twice as good as basically anyone. He's the last, he's the only true big man really that's effective in today's NBA. The number two guy that we came up to was probably Jokic, but again, he's not a traditional big man. He can bang down low, but he's more on the, he shoots a lot of threes. He passes from the elbows. And then you have Vucevic. So, Dad, I say all this. Do you think Jokic is the number two after discussing that last night? And how does the NBA, like, this is ridiculous. I think it's a broader subject than just who's the best post player. It's the M- you have to start with our premise, which is the NBA sucks right now because, because everyone runs a five out and shoots threes. 
Mm-hmm. That's all they do. And if they don't do that, they, you know, drive the lane. There's no one underneath because they're all defending a five out. And it's become largely for me unwatchable. It's mm-hmm. just, just bad. Okay. Let me. So really quickly because here. of that, we started talking about how there's no one playing in the post. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got into this conversation. Yeah, and so, like, well, to your point about what what's killing the NBA, well, why they're playing five out is obviously the three ball. So if It's you all look, analytics. Yeah, it's all analytics, but specifically with the three, because if you look in 2012-2013 season, you had 23 pointers attempted on average per team a game. It has gone up every year since then. So the next year from when it was at, sorry, let me pull it up again here, three-point attempts, we're at 20 in 2012-13. You go to 21.5 the next year, 22.4. 24.1, 27, 29, 32, 34, 34.6 we are here in 2020-21. So in eight years, we've gone up about 14 threes a game. It's it's what the offenses in the league are trying to get. That's the shot. And all you have to know from an analytics perspective is that if you shoot 33% from three, that's like shooting 50% from two. And there's almost no one in the league. There's very few people in the league that shoot large quantities of shots and make 50% of them. Yeah, it's the, there's a the ton elite. of guys that can make 33% of their threes. So it's not Especially the corner threes. Right. It's so not, lay, lay that out. We've talked about what we would do to try and combat that. Let's talk about that. Well, I think what I would do is completely eliminate the sideline three and move the three-point line about five feet back and just make it inefficient. So analytics would not support that because most guys would shoot a percentage that such would, that it would mathematically would be better off trying to go down low. Like, I wonder what would happen if a guy like Shaq came into the league. Now, he'd still destroy everybody and everything, but... There would be a part of his, like, people, that the way they talked about him was like, wow, he really needs to, though, develop a three in, like, uh, like ball handling. That's how they would approach Shaq if he came in the league now. Think about the way they talk about Joel Embiid. It's – they just – even – let's look, talk about Joel Embiid. We're talking like he's this great post player. He's he so good. He posts up nine times a game, okay? That's twice a quarter, okay? There are something like six players in the league that post up more than once a quarter. Think about that. Kareem would post up 10 times a quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was – that was part of the game was that you opened up the rest of the floor by throwing it into the post and drawing attention to that player. You know, same thing they do with double teams now. It was just going on on mm-hmm. the block. Well, You've the, also, because of that, analytics, you've lost the mid-range game. No, it's gone. I mean, the, well, it's Julius an inefficient shot. Back. You see him. players pass up wide open mid-range shots mm-hmm. just because their coach is going to yell at them if they take it because they don't want that shot so they it's it makes the game bad mm-hmm. i don't feel as strongly as i agree that we i would like to see less threes and because i think the best way to illustrate your point as you said this last night no one watches an nba basketball game to watch brooke lopez shoot threes brooke lopez not a bad three-point shooter but you remember when brooke lopez came into the league and he was Unreal in the post, and he had a no, great. No, I don't remember that. Well, you should go look up his post-up numbers when he's he was in. Was never really that good. Well, I bet you he would be the number one in the NBA. Well, that's his how re- bad it is. That's how bad it is now. 
So are you going to admit you're wrong that Brooke Lopez came into the league with a Brooke very Lopez good post Brooke Lopez was never a dominant player in the yeah, NBA. He was like 20 points a game in New Jersey, oh, yeah. scoring On quite well. On a shitty team. That he, Brooke Lopez is never any good, period. You're wrong there. But um, another thing that I think is really affecting the, the NBA this year is players missing games, whether that be there are have been some freak injuries that we're dealing with here, but this year, like too many Clay games. Thompson. But it's the too many games, but also there is – the load management era. You of, have to load manage. You have stupid to. not to. Because when you're paying these guys that much money, why would you? It's it's it's. They have to dramatically cut the number of games. But the solution to that is, everyone makes the playoffs, and then you have they play for the draft. No, picks. I think you can limit the um, amount of games to like fifty-eight to sixty. Not have everyone make the playoffs. You can do some sort of weird play-in thing, small. I don't think everyone should make the playoffs. And I think that the reason that, that none of this is going to happen and they're going to do all this stupid shit is because no one wants to accept the fact that if you go from playing 82 games a season to 60 because that makes more sense and you're complaining about how you're hurt all the time and how you need to load manage, which I'm not arguing with. You're playing a lot. Well, then you're going to have to play 60 games a year. What are you going to have to accept if you go from playing 82 games to 60 a year? You're going to make less money. Yep. It's how the world works. They're going to make less money anyway because that TV contract is going to come up for renewal, and they're in the gutter with TV Would you ratings. rather blow out your ACL or maybe make? they got to do something. They're going to lose all their fans. I don't think it's, it's not a good product right now. I mean, it, the only thing that's saving more this trouble. season right now is the playing game. These games towards the end of the year for the play-in have been awesome. You see teams working their asses off just to like because they're alive, and I think that has made what is usually this has been a naughty good NBA season. I am agreeing with that. But the last ten, even ten years, maybe more, the last month of the season is dog shit. It is awful. The it's regular season doesn't matter. The playing game has added a lot of excitement, I think, to the end of it. Yeah, well, that's why they should let everyone into the playoffs. I don't think everyone should get in. There are some t- for a lot of people, that's the only time you'd see teams like the Kings and a guy like De'Aaron Fox. I think it would be great for the league. Plus, you could make... The Somehow. Kings have the longest drought in playoff history. I like the Kings, and I have friends who are Kings fans, but we should not be making any decisions for the league based on it. Well, the Kings haven't been able to make it. The Kings are the, the worst Kings. franchise in basketball okay, by far. They're anybody. the worst run. Okay. We sh- those, if so you're that what? bad, you shouldn't make the playoffs. I think it would be good for the whole league. 20 out of the 30 teams are getting a chance in the playoffs now. So why not let them all in? It's That's not like stupid. only good teams make the playoffs. Well, then everyone's going to sit because who gives a shit then if everyone makes it in? Well, then you do make rules about sitting. And, and then everyone is going to have a weird injury every night like Brooklyn. I mean, I, I'm just, in a way, I'm agreeing with you because this problem's not easy. They're kind of fucked in a way. They're, they're in more, in my opinion, they're in more trouble, the league is, than they've been since Ma- when Magic and Bird came into the league. I mean, they're, they're going to have, their television ratings are cratering. The number of people who watched... The NBA Finals last year. You yeah, can argue terrible. it wasn't. It was a weird year, but you can also it was argue a fake everyone was at home. Fake championship for LeBron. Oh, fake championship and for the Dodgers. fake season. I mean, just asterisk. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, I don't know. I think they have to make some people were worried about the league when Jordan retired, but Kobe and Shaq came in, and you got these this young group of players that. And then LeBron was three years behind them, and Dwayne Wade, and the Celtics. Those guys, yeah, and it, it 
the, the Warriors the saved fun. it for a bit, and then the Warriors. But post Warriors, there hasn't I don't been know who they're going to do it with right now, especially because their product, in my opinion, is weak. If I don't want to watch teams shoot fifty threes a night, think about that. Two average NBA teams they shoot, shoot between them are shooting yeah seventy threes a game. It's a potential two hundred. It's it's I I agree, and I just. My hesitation is not like that. I don't agree. It's just like I don't think there's a fix right now. There's totally a fix. They're, you get rid not, of that sideline. They're three. not gonna do it. They're not gonna do any of these things. The NBA, I have absolutely no faith in. In chain, like I just. Well, I the know. other thing they could do is. I make, almost have more faith in baseball. The other thing you could do is go back to the hand baseball. check rules. Let let the league get a lot more physical. There's got to be some sort of correction that comes in because that's what happens in the league. You need to have these corrections. This well, is what happens over it'll, time. It'll happen when the cash dries, when the cash flow. Just think about it. They've now gone two seasons without real fan attendance. Basically. That's a lot of money. I mean, they went uh, October to March last year, but no playoffs. So that's huge. Their Their TV ratings are down like 45%. Yeah. And they that's off of really lows. Mm-hmm. So let's start. Like, I mean, and a big part of it, I mean, listen to this. Of I get the whole three thing, but a big part of these TV ratings, Dad, is because when you hear, oh, the Nets are playing the Celtics or the Nets are playing the Bucks on Friday night, like I was like, it's like, oh, well, KD and Harden aren't playing and uh, or Kawhi's out this time. Giannis isn't. I mean, Giannis is a bad example. He plays so much. But look, so Clay Thompson out for the year, but 66 missed games. Kevin Love, 43. KD, 33. Anthony Davis, 35. Otto Porter Jr., 34. LeBron James, 22. John Wall, 23. D'Angelo Russell, 29. CJ McCollum, 25. James Harden, 20. Yeah, I mean, it's... Kemba Walker, 20. Kawhi Leonard, 17. Porzingis, 24. Carl Towns, 20. Gordon Hayward, 21. Joel Embiid, 19. They're playing too many games. Butler, 18. The players are breaking down because they're playing too many games. That's why I don't think you're going to see Summer League like it used to be. Uh, Summer League is so great. I don't think it's ever going to be like it used to be because I think you're going to see... Because that's the counterpoint to the players' 60 games, you know, pay me... They're going to be healthier if they play a 60-game season and they, they do that. The product would, you'd assume, be better. You'd assume the product would be better. You'd assume the regular season product would be better because you wouldn't have all the load management bullshit. And you would have, um, even if you're just decreasing it by about 20 games, the games would mean a lot more. Yeah, all you got to do is structure the player contracts with game number of game incentives. Mm-hmm. Say you get an extra five hundred or whatever million if you average if you play, I don't know, fifty five games and average thirty minutes a night. Mm-hmm. There's ways to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. Let's go now into let's talk some MLB. Let's talk about California MLB to wrap up uh, today's sports segment here on episode ninety five of the Pineapple Couch. Uh, California baseball remains supreme. Couple things for you, Dodgers. You suck. You suck. If you're listening to this, a Dodgers fan sucks to be you. You're so, two and eight in your last ten. That was a fake ass championship. Enjoy your division championships because the Giants won three rings in all that time that it took you with all your sweet division championships and all the money you played. You got a fake World Series ring, and you're not even in first in the NL West right now. That is what I would like to say to the Dodgers fans. Dad, do you have anything to add on to that before we go to the rest of the California teams? Uh, I love watching the Dodgers struggle because I love to hate the Dodgers. The Dodgers suck. Um, Just as much as the Beatles. Don't get too excited about them sucking, though. For ex- they're, they have the 
one of the highest run differentials in the league. They're outscoring their opponents by 38 runs, but they're only three games over 500. So they just we'll don't have see. the right type of men. People like they don't have good people on their team. That's probably why. Like good people, like morally. If you play for the Dodgers, you're a corrupt piece of shit. I think it's more their fans are just sad, terrible people that have nothing to live for. And so they transfer their allegiance to this team that doesn't care about them and just generally Similar to LeBron sucks. fans. And when they did give them a championship, you couldn't go. You couldn't go, and it was no fake. Par- no parade. Of, and let me just say this. Of all, like we were talking about how the NBA title put the asterisk next to it. The NBA title, compared to the like MLB is 100 times faker than no, 60 game season. 60 game season? Get out of here. Get out of here. Dodgers, you pay all that money, you got a fake ring. Let's talk about the real teams no one here knows. in California. Maybe it really never happened. Does any, was anyone there? No, I wasn't. That could have been all CGI. I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't either. All right, let's talk about the real teams here in California. Okay, okay. I'm just going to say this to start it off because I know what you're going to say. You're going to say no one cares about the Angels. And that is true. But I would like to highlight two players here on the Angels because – Shohei Otani, he dealt with a lot of injury. We're still, it's still early, knock on wood, about how his career will go. He's a great pitcher, also can hit. Dude's second in the league in homers with nine. And he's been really fun to watch this year. And Mike Trout, obviously, is still the best player on this great planet. Eight home runs to start this season, and he's hitting 407, eight doubles, 17 RBIs. The dude's the it, he's right there of the best players I've ever seen in my entire life. And what's crazy is you have these two guys who are so phenomenal and still no one cares about the Angels. It sucks. For 11% of the time, which would represent Otani and Trout's time at bat, and they're in the field half the time. Mm-hmm. For 11% of the game, the Angels aren't the most boring franchise in the history of baseball. Mm-hmm. Those two guys are fun to watch. Everything else about the Angels makes you want to go take a nap well the yeah it's tough the rocks and uh center the field are the, are the worst the thing of dumbest all time. thing why I don't, is it like a reference to thunder mountain at disneyland why? i never got it disneyland I mean, also just, sucks just what was the meeting they had sucks, where they were disneyland trying to sucks. figure out what should go in center field and somebody said what we should do is build these weird looking rocks that don't really match anything around take here up a bunch of seating and put a fountain in there and everyone around that table went, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. It may, It's dumb. Mm-hmm. It is dumb, and the Angels are dumb. But uh, let's talk They're not about- dumb. They're boring. Okay. Well, they are dumb. They the, the contracts they've given out in the last 10 years have been atrocious. What they gave to Albert Pujols and Josh Hamilton. I mean, Josh Hamilton was terrible. Pujols' contract the Pujols looks a contract- lot better than it did at the time. No, it doesn't. He's actually going to play out that contract. Yeah, but his like career batting average has dropped like 30 because yeah. of all his time. Like he, I, if you're the Angels, you would never Josh do that Hamilton's again. Josh Hamilton's was way worse. Yeah, I think, though, that we're – because of how good Pujols They did was, re-sign is, Trout, yeah. which I didn't think they were going to be able to do. I thought for sure he was going to be on the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so let's go to the Giants really quickly here. They're still hanging on for first in the NL West. I, this team is a – it's a classic Giants team kind of. Who knows how they're putting it together, but they're putting it together so far. I hope they can hold it. I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to be able to hold it, but they're going to battle. So we'll see. I don't know. The Giants are plus 30 in their run differential. Buster Posey's hitting 390. Most of the old Giants teams, I mean, yeah, they'd win, but they'd win 
three to two. You know, they weren't outscoring their opponents by mm -hmm. significant margins. They are doing that. The other thing they're doing is their pitching. I looked up their pitching staff. They have um, Gosman, Disclafani, and Lo and uh, Alex Wood. They all have in uh, ERAs two or below. The other two guys have ERAs of three point one, and then Logan Webb is four point one, and they thought he was the best one of the bunch. They have Shows a good the core of of, of young pitchers all of a sudden, and. We'll that's see. important. So, the if Giants hold, have been very fine. surprising. I was wondering what the hell they've been doing the last few years, because they're not spending any money. They they have they a lot off the books this off season. In theory, like if they can show that they're a feisty young team with a young pitching core, they can maybe get someone in this off season. It never works except for Bonds. Like remember when they brought in Carlos Beltran? They just sucked. That's. I mean, it seems like they that was never work. Hundred pounds worked. You know what? Remember, it. yeah, that's true. But like other on other times, they let that guy Travis Ishikawa play just out of their farm Cody system. Cody Ross, yeah. Well, Cody Ross came from the journeyman. He was a journeyman guy. That I mean, they from. resurrected the great Ryan Vogel. Dude, song. Edgar Renteria was Juan the MVP. Uribe. Juan Uribe, just random. Travis Ishikawa homer veterans. Was, was very but those good. guys weren't like signing Barry Bonds. No, but that's like, how what they've the hell done are it. you doing signing Edgar Renteria? He's almost dead. He's so old. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they have a weird way about doing it. Let's uh, talk. Do you have anything else on? Uh, do you have anything on the Padres this week for us? Padres are f the most entertaining team in the league to watch, which is shocking because mm -hmm. they're almost historically as boring as the Angels. But they have Tatis is just electric. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, Manny Machado is a total douche, but I love watching him hit. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of Canseco. Yeah. That's but even the way he funny. sort of twitches and stuff. It's weird. Um, they're fun to watch. The A's, I love the A's. I love a bunch of players on their team. Matt Olson, Canha, Chapman isn't playing that great. Uh, Ramon Moriano yeah. is playing some ball right yeah. now. So they're fun teams to watch. There's three or four teams in the in the state that are, are really fun to watch and with uh, hopefully attendance will come back up. And then those teams are going to play a lot of games against each other. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. If the, it would be so electric if we're into August, September with some big Padres, and all those teams, Dodgers, all those Padres, teams. Giants, Dodgers. Even the Angels. Like, just all those teams competing. Mm -hmm. That should be really fun. I'd love to see a, an Angel. I'd love to see a, an Angels game where Otani pitches. That would be really cool. As I'd, Yeah. I mean, everybody would leave in the fifth inning, too, so we could get up really close. <laughs> or if we weren't taking a nap. Yeah. Um, or having some, like, Chinese food, which they serve at some reason for at Angel Stadium yeah. instead of hot dogs. It makes my friend from Boston insane that they serve all this different kind of food at baseball stadiums. That's everywhere. Every I know, stadium everywhere. in the world but does that now. Yeah, now. But it's been there for a long time. It used to make him nuts that they had a Panda Express at the ballpark. Yeah. Chris Rogers. Very interesting guy there <laughs> like what are they doing yeah um all right well this has been episode 95 the sports edition of it but stay tuned because peter gonzalez is going to be joining shortly and we are going to be talking about uh some upcoming things in the mcu some news dropped today as well as ranking the top five villains we've seen in marvel and uh it'll be a good conversation so stay tuned thank you dad we'll have you on um as much as you like thanks just get your mic set up and tell your fan tell your followers and my fans, 
What kind of topic? Would they like to hear another battle? I'm up for a battle. Uh, he, I actually agree with what he is saying right now. What would you guys like to hear out of Jeff Robbins? We can work this man. Let's get what we want out of him. I'd like to do another battle. I'd like to talk a lot, a lot about Rome, that show. We need to get Big Dog to finish season two because, folks, if you haven't seen Rome, the show. It's a good one. It's so good. So good. It's all true, pretty much. I mean, it's like, the, obviously, the conversation is made up, but all of the events yeah. are mm-hmm. it's wild. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned. Peter will be with me after the break. Welcome back to episode 96 of the Pineapple Couch. Uh, we're going to be checking in with the MCU, so you know who I'm going to be talking to. It's going to be my good friend and co-host of the MCU as we tackle it. You guys know I'm good and well. It's Peter Gonzalez. Peter, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm excited to tackle these new ventures while we wait for Loki. Mm-hmm. The, the unfortunate pause in content which we obviously wish we were getting Marvel content every week. It's causing us to try some new things, so this should hopefully uh, go well, and we're going to be introducing some stuff today that we'll continue to do until the buildup of Loki. And stay tuned till the end of our conversation because we will cap that off with our top five villains of the MCU so far. So far. And just the MCU, not like comic books. We're talking about how they were in the MCU. So let's start off with the big news of the day, Peter, with Loki. You want to go ahead and break that down? Totally. So I actually woke up and I was groggily looking on Twitter as I normally do. And Mm -hmm. it was just all this Loki, Loki stuff. And I was like, what's happening? Well, in Marvel fashion and very much on brand with Loki, they've decided to change up their traditional Friday release for their series. And Mm -hmm. instead, because why shouldn't Loki be at the end of the week? Loki's going to land smack dab in the middle of the week on Wednesday. So Loki gets moved up to June 9th instead of the 11th. So does that mean Tuesday nights at midnight now? Yes. For us, for us crazy people? <laughs> it's the only way to do it, though. You have to like watch it at midnight yeah. and then go to sleep, sleep on it. And then the next morning you watch it again and you're just yeah. like, okay, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to feel a good kind of weird to have it on a Wednesday. So you're not like waiting all the way to Friday. I just feel like mentally it feels like less of a wait, even though it literally isn't. I just feel like I've convinced myself it's less of a wait. Mm-hmm. And before we get into like the specifics of Loki, I, we had a few theories of maybe why they're doing this. At least I do. So star Wars is starting to release content like post Mandalorian. Cause they haven't really done anything. The bad batch just launched this week. Ironically, Marvel, releases a trailer the day before may the 4th star wars day and marvel pretty much dominates the social media conversation over star wars which i thought was interesting because those are both under the disney umbrella but one thing i was thinking about maybe what they could be going for here is that they have all the star wars content that's going to continue to come out and like we've talked about on this pod and we will continue there's so much future mcu content coming out not only in movies but also on Disney+. Plus. And so maybe they are separating the two of them. They are having, so Marvel will take those Tuesday nights, I mean, basically Wednesday mornings, 
and Star Wars can have that Thursday night, Friday to separate the release times. What do you think of that theory? I think that's a very interesting theory because, again, it's interesting that because Disney is the juggernaut that it is, Disney has the embarrassment of riches of having not just the MCU, but also Star Wars, which is continually growing and essentially becoming another version of the MCU Mm -hmm. in 2021 going forward. So I think that's a very good point because then you're not competing with your content and you're able to dominate an entire week of someone's life as opposed to and the news cycle because if you have stuff leading up to Wednesday and then you have stuff leading up to Friday. So you really are able to cover all the bases and really take the conversation control. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what they're doing. Um, And in terms of Loki specifically, I believe, I know for sure, I don't believe, I know, that it's been picked up for a second season already. So that's very exciting. And let's like, we'll go generally over what Loki will be about because it's about to happen. But we're again going to do a full preview pod about it. Basically, Loki, if you remember in Avengers Endgame, Peter, I know you remember, but um, he gets the Tesseract in one of the time travel missions that the Avengers do to go get the Infinity Stones to stop Thanos. And Loki, in one of those scenarios, gets away with the Tesseract in like an alternate branch of time or reality or whatever. And so this series is going to pick up based on that, and he is going to be forced to work with, I believe, the Time Variance Association, the TVA, or the Time Variance A. I think it's Association. Time Variance Association. Editors note it's Time Variance Authority. And they basically clean up the messes in time, and so they're having Loki do that, and that's where he'll have Owen Wilson. So that show I'm, I am quite excited about. Is there anything I missed with that, Peter? Um, no, I just think that it'll be interesting how Loki will be able to kind of bridge, I think, a lot of the separate storylines and, again, lean into maybe the multiverse aspect. And then one mm-hmm. thing I did remember now is there is in the trailer what looks like him visiting Natasha, which is an interesting possibility, but also kind of going back to the release date being shifted for Loki, it allows Black Widow to land, I think it's in the fourth or fifth week of Loki happening, Black Widow will land that same week on that Friday, coincidentally on Disney Plus as well as in theaters. Okay, that's a good point too because they might just do it for that reason. That's a great point. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've seen that uh, the Black Widow theory out there. I've seen a lot of people say that, but I've also seen a fair amount of people um, that that think it might be Lady Loki that we might be getting a Lady Loki here in the MCU. Um, I don't know, but we will we will see. And Peter, no worries on the technical difficulties. His camera dropped, folks, but we're working through it. It doesn't matter. So let's jump back in now, Peter. Let's talk about uh, some of the other projects in the future of the MCU. Let's lay the groundwork of what's to come. And then I, I'm thinking for the next few weeks, we can dive deeper and deeper into rumors and theories about these projects. Because, I mean, with Spider-Man alone, we could talk about rumors and theories for four hours. So we're not going to do that today. We're going to lay the, the baseline for everyone. And then do some villain rankings and then come back next week with some rumors, spoilery type stuff. So Black Widow comes out July 9th, correct? Correct. July 9th, we get Black Widow, which is going to be it's taking place, obviously, in phase four of the MCU. But it is a flashback movie to what happened, I believe, in between Captain America Civil War and Infinity War, Peter. Right? Yes, you are. As far as okay. understanding is correct, yes. And um, that is going to be 
the first blockbuster movie of the MCU post-coronavirus. Um, I'm obviously very excited to see that movie, and I know Peter is, but we're both very big Marvel heads. So I'm curious, Peter, what do you think the... Do you think the fact that the first MCU movie that's dropping, that's kind of like a flashback, is that going to have, how do you think the audience will, will respond to that in terms of, do you think a lot of people will go to it or maybe more people might be hesitant and watch it at home or something? Cause it's like, Oh, it's black widow. We've seen her before. And this happens in the past. What do you think? I think that's a great question because, and I think something that Marvel's really working to address specifically with that three minute long video, they just dropped earlier this week, which really, encourages people to witness these movies in the theater. And mm -hmm. I thought it was so clever how they used Stanley doing the narration because yep. that's the reassuring voice that has been the MCU. So to have that yeah, telling you, you need to be a part of this experience. And so I think in a way though, I feel like Black Widow has a little bit of the pressure taking off as well, because if you think about it, this is only the second female led MCU movie that we've had. And sure, so sure. It, on its own, it has that, expectation is it going to perform well is it not but now because you are having audiences slowly come back i think that the fact that you can watch it on disney plus is good for people like us that are doing these podcasts because we're able to watch it in the theater and then we're able to watch it at home again if we need to kind of mm -hmm. review Re things yeah but i feel like this is a good one to kind of start them see you back into theaters because it is a little more grounded it's more traditional mcu and it allows people that have been fans of Natasha's character to really understand where she came from. And I think the trailer yeah. has done a really good job of doing that, kind of setting up what this movie's about, while also not giving everything away, which Marvel does so well. You think you know what everything is that's in the trailer is going to be in the movie, but as they prove with Endgame, there can be an entire section mm -hmm. that's not even covered in the trailer. Yeah, I, I'm quite excited for Black Widow for this reason in particular. I've always liked the character Black Widow. I thought Scarlett Johansson's done an amazing job with her, her in the MCU. But one thing for me was her performance in Avengers Endgame was by far the best Black Widow in the MCU. And that's not taking any shots at her previous characters. It was just I thought she was so good in Avengers Endgame, which I was, I was so bummed when she died. I mean, I like Hawkeye too, but I, I mean, he should have gone. That would have been a lot easier. But um, I think Marvel is banking on that a lot of people actually feel that same way about Natasha and that in Endgame she was so great that they this will bring them back to the theaters. And you mentioned this. So it's that sense of familiarity. They know Natasha. This isn't starting with Shang-Chi or the Eternals where they're introducing a completely new character. Um, so it's more, I guess, safe. But I also think that this movie is, looks really, really cool. And I think going off of what you just said, I think if uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier told us anything is that the familiarity does pay off huge. I mean, it had a bigger opening than WandaVision, which because, again, it, it was it's more grounded. It's traditional. It's what you expect out of an MCU while also tackling a very hard topic in, in the way that Marvel does so well. So I think this can kind of go leap off of the success of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and again, there are those post credit scenes that are so integral to the MCU and such Can't a wait. movie going experience that like you sit through the theater, even though you've had your bucket of popcorn and your giant soda, it doesn't matter. You're going to sit there until yep. the very mm -hmm. last second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I expect uh, another thing that will work for Black Widow 
as we mentioned, the success of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, mixed feelings towards the end by some people, but still a lot of people watched it. I believe that those two types of movies, there's going to be some, or these, the show and the movie, there's a lot of like correlation. They're kind of similar in the stuff that we'll be dealing with. It's not going to be the exact same thing, obviously, but it might be in the realm of something like the Power Broker, obviously Thunderbolt Ross, that ties with the Thunderbolts. So we'll have similar, I mean, I think we'll see Val from Falcon and the Winter Soldier in Black Widow. I'm, I would say like 99% sure I will, we will see her in that. I would be shocked if she's not in that movie, but we'll see. Um, okay, let's go to the next two. These are two new releases for Marvel. Um, these are new characters coming to the MCU. The first one will be in September. It is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We're going to finally get the real Mandarin in the MCU after that tease in Iron Man 3. Contrary to public opinion about Iron Man 3, yeah, they teased us with the Mandarin, but it is an unbelievable movie. It is a so freaking good, and it is also a Christmas movie, throwing it out there. So, defensive Iron Man 3. But, Peter, what are you looking forward to in Shang-Chi Shang -Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? I was about to add to that, but I have to address your Iron Man 3 praise because, and this is a true story, I legitimately watched it last night for the hell of it. I was like, I need to watch a movie, and I watched Iron Man 3, and it is such a good movie. Like It's so I'm, good. It's so it's the most underrated movie in the MCU. When I there are lists out there that literally put it like with Thor the Dark World at the or the Incredible Hulk, which I think I don't even I don't think Thor the Dark World's the worst movie in the MCU. We'll get to rankings another time. But Iron Man three does not belong in the bottom tier of the MCU in my opinion at all. No. So I mean that's a whole like we said, a whole other podcast could be devoted yeah. to Iron Man three, but just yeah, great movie. What I'm excited about for um, Shang-Chi is that this is a character that I'm not a thousand percent familiar with. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people aren't either, which really is a cool way to experience it. Similar to how I wasn't familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So yep. I had no expectation going in. And I think that's kind of rad that their second movie for the MCU in Phase 4 is something you're not as familiar with. Because it really allows you to come in with not that kind of, I'm, what am I getting into? and really be blown away. I mean, the trailer was really rad. I enjoyed really it cool. so much. And I just, I like that, again, it's that traditional mix of there's action, there's the whole family dynamics, and there's that comedy that Marvel's able to insert mm -hmm. so well. And, I, and to learn about these new characters who are going to be part of the MCU going forward. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to Shang-Chi. I will admit that I think out of all the movies that are announced, this movie has the, is the, the biggest chance to flop Mar Marvel movies don't flop, but out of all the ones I'm looking at, I could see Shang-Chi not hitting, but again, I think it will hit for me obviously. And I think the trailers have made it look cool. And like I said, with black widow, I think we will see ties to Falcon and the winter soldier through Madripoor and Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. So I'm hoping that movie is going to be really good. Um, the reviews, the trailers actually got really mixed reviews on YouTube. I don't really know why. I know there's sold a bunch of internet shit we don't need to go into probably with that. But um, so looking forward to Shang-Chi. We'll obviously, before that movie comes out on the podcast, we'll talk about who the character Shang-Chi is. Maybe read a couple comics and we'll, we'll have to and give you guys a background before we go see the movie. But Peter, you mentioned uh, getting a new characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy in Shang-Chi. I think that that statement applies 
the exact same, if not more, to the Eternals, which we will be getting in November. You got the quick teaser trailer in that uh, wonderful Marvel commercial we got earlier in the week. So we saw Angelina Jolie. We saw Richard Madden. We saw Kumer. Uh, what's uh? He's all buff now. You know who I'm talking yes. about? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I know exactly who you're talking about. And... The name is there, and I can't grasp it. Yeah, well, we saw a bunch of people in the cast. Uh, Eternals, I think, is going to be a huge hit. And it, what it's going to be basically like is it's going to take place over thousands of years. These are immortal beings that were created by the Celestials that were teased in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think that the tie-ins to uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Eternals will be kind of cool. And I'm really curious to see how the Eternals fit into the MCU. Like, Richard Madden, Rob Stark from Game of Thrones character, is legit. His powers are like Superman. So these people are so powerful that I'm very curious to see how they fit them into the MCU, if they nerf them in any way, separate them maybe. I don't know. I think that the Eternals, it's going to be really interesting because they're Thor level, if not higher. I'm not really sure. I need to dive deeper into the Eternals, but I'm pretty sure they're that tier of gnarliness if that makes sense <laughs> what do you think about Eternals <laughs> that totally makes sense that was like the perfect way to describe them I think um, but yeah no I think that that's going to be a really good movie again and also like we, you were mentioning some of the cast it's super stacked and I mean they're, t- they're saying really high praise for Gemma Chan who's playing um, Cersei mm-hmm. who's supposedly the, char- the main character you're building around and I saw her, her she was in um, Crazy Rich Asians and in the very small role, not necessarily the biggest role, she has a really broad depth of talent that I think is really interesting for an MCU movie. Mm-hmm. And again, this movie is also one where you have, I think, Marvel's most diverse and inclusive cast ever. So I think oh, that yeah. that's something that's super rad, but at the same time, will also get criticized in a sense, by critics, again, if they don't nail their landings, how they supposedly are perceived Mm to. But I think, again, they also benefit from the fact that um, they're going to have a Oscar-winning director now. Yeah, just saw that, and so The Eternals, I think, is going to be a really cool-looking movie in the MCU. I can't believe I mentioned The Eternals in this movie without literally one of my favorite people of all time, who's going to be starring in it. Kit Harington is the Black Knight. That is why I'm so excited about this movie. I am excited about the Eternals and what that could mean. But Kit Harrington coming in as the Black Knight, basically playing something similar to Jon Snow. Him and Gemma, Chan, Gemma Chan's uh, uh, relationship, she plays Cersei, is going to be the big thing in this movie. Um, and then I also was just looking up, it's Kumail Nanjiani. I was almost there, but obviously almost. not quite. Um, so I'm looking forward to Eternals. We'll obviously, with that, like we talked about with Shang-Chi, do some prep for that so we don't go on the movie blind and then next movie we have to talk about here shocker this is the one i am looking forward to the most if you couldn't get that from the logo of this po- uh, podcast it is spider-man it is spider-man 3 spider-man no way home which is following the events of spider-man far from home where peter's identity was just revealed and also we will be dealing with we think the events of the multiverse crashing that will lead into Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. There are tons and tons and tons of rumors out there right now about Spider-Man 3. What I will tell to you guys that I think, and uh, I'm skeptical of stuff, but I spend way too much time researching and looking at this stuff. 
I would be stunned. Like, more stunned that Doctor Strange wasn't in WandaVision, even though they admitted he should have. But that's another point. I would be absolutely shocked, stunned, flabbergasted if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield aren't in this movie. There's too much smoke about it. There's too much that's been said. I know people keep denying it, but Alfred Molina's coming back from that Doc Ock, and it's from that Tobey Maguire Spider-Man-verse. Jamie Foxx is coming. What, they're going to bring those two but not bring the Spider-Mans? I think they're going Spider-Verse. Maybe Spider-Verse won't be as big a part of the movie as some people are thinking. Maybe that will be Spider-Man 4 or a part of Doctor Strange. But I'm making that claim to my listeners right now. Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in Spider-Man 3 that comes out next Christmas. That is... I don't want to say a promise because I would feel really bad. I'm 99.9 on that promise. Peter, what do you got? Yes. Yeah. 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 99% on that promise needs to happen. I mean, I just watched Andrew Garfield do an interview earlier this week where he so was so like, obviously I lying. Not caught on the call. And it's just like this year. Yeah. If you watch that interview, you're like, you're, you're in this movie. You have to be in this movie. It make, doesn't make sense. And then, I mean, Tom Holland said in an earlier interview that he did what he thinks is one of the greatest big fight scenes that he's ever done in the MCU. And uh, so that makes sense that if, imagine a scene with the three Spider-Men. Did I say it's Spider-Man? I've read, some, I've read some things about that scene he's talking about, and I'm not going to say them on the podcast because that gets into spoiler territory. But if some of the stuff I've seen about Spider-Man 3 could be potentially true, we're looking at like a, we're looking at an Infinity War level. Like that level of movie, this could be next Christmas. Like I think that's this a could good be way of saying it. One of the best Marvel movies ever, if they play it right. But it also, it's a they're juggling a lot of things here because I mean, we'll get into villains and stuff later. But Spider Man has, um, we don't know if Mysterio is dead. We don't have a Norman Osborn in the MCU yet. We think we're going to be getting one. We don't know how our Norman Osborn will be. If we have the Thunderbolts and the Dark Avengers being set up, Peter, Norman Osborn plays a role in that. Disney and Sony seem to be playing ball and being nice to each other. So many things will be answered in Spider-Man No Way Home that I think we'll have to do like three or four preview. I could do three hours on that movie right now, but because I know we will end, end up doing that probably soon, we will move on to the next project, which is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness which is going to be picking up from some of the events in WandaVision, obviously, and will probably, and also with Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, the multiverse is going to break down. That's what I think is going to be happening. Who This movie, you could tell me so many different things will happen because literally anything is possible. Tom Cruise is an Iron Man in a different dimension. I saw anything. It's all out there, people. There's so many crazy, crazy ideas for this movie. Um Peter, I'll let you take the stage, though. What is um, What are you the most looking forward to in Doctor Strange, I guess? Let's go with that route. The initial, the first initial thing that came to mind was the horror movie vibes that has been promised and teased. I think that would be a very interesting way for Marvel to lean. We haven't really mm-hmm. gone that Can far I, into it. Let me jump in on that, because I do think that this is going to be a scarier Marvel movie, but Something. So do you remember when Scott Derrickson said that it was going to be Marvel's first horror film? Yes. 
Scott Derrickson is no longer, and you know this, he's no longer doing that movie. So who knows if they rewrote a bunch of stuff. Maybe he left because he didn't want to deal with having to fit in what happened in WandaVision and Spider-Man. Well, I do think, though, the multiverse of madness is going to be scarier. I look more of it like thriller, which is, I think, what you mean, because MCU is not going to have a straight, like, the Exorcist or some. I can't, I don't even watch horror movies, so I can't even, like, think of any. But it's not going to have something like that, I would say. But I do think you could go into a very dark route in this movie, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Like, not traditional, like, horror in the sense of, like, Saw or, you know, Halloween. Yeah. Maybe more Halloween-esque. Or, again, you have that thriller, what is going to happen. And I think mm-hmm. WandaVision kind of showed us when Marvel can, like, dip their toes into the darkness slightly. And yep. they tease, yep. you know, last episode teases the dark hold and teases all these things to come. I'm excited to see what happens to Wanda. I think I'm excited also to see Doctor Strange's new look because as if you've noticed, seen interviews, yep. there have been a couple where Benedict Cumberbatch has like not like shown his face because he can't show how he looks for the role. So I think that again, but again, I think my one concern because I do have a concern because you know we're so invested in these things. Mm-hmm. My concern for Spider-Man and for Doctor Strange, Two Multiverse of Madness, that is quite the title, I think is making sure that they stick the landing because, yes, Civil War was able to juggle all of the heroes in this very complicated storyline, but then you see movies like um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which tried to world-build so many things and ended up never going anywhere. So I think, again, Marvel can do this really well and can create a movie that is going to Every feel... DC project. Yeah, DC, I just got a brand new headache about them today that we can talk about after the podcast. But um, oh, you know, wow. just this movie is just such a cool way to address the balance between all the stuff that's leading up to it and kind of course correct certain things if they need to. And they can kind of either mm-hmm. bring Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Back into, back into sort of play again or kind of leave it as never have been. Same with um, some of the Netflix Marvel series that are rumored to yeah. be addressed in Spider-Man No Way Home also. True. That's just a lot. Again, those podcasts, I'm like, it's not coming until the end of the year, early next year, but I'm super hyped for what we're going to be able to talk about there because we're just not going to yeah. be able to shut up. Yeah, there's so many options. Um, and one thing I'm curious about with Doctor Strange is, are we going to spend the whole time building up to Doctor Strange essentially with the same question we had in WandaVision the whole time? Or are we going to know there's a different villain? Like, Because right now, if you were to ask us, wouldn't we say, who's going to be the villain of Doctor Strange? You'd be like, whatever's controlling Wanda. But that's so what we said, all of WandaVision. So, like, I don't know. My thought going into Doctor, into Doctor Strange 2 is maybe... What's his head? The, the villain from Doctor Strange 1. Is uh, it Mordo? Mordo? Yes, Mordo maybe is, is able to prey upon Wanda in her, you know, reclusive hermit state from the end. Yeah. And like says, you know, I can help you find your kids. Like, let's team up Ooh. together. And then Wanda maybe spends the first half of the movie the villain. And then Doctor Strange has to then, what we didn't see in WandaVision, sort of save her, help her get out of this. And then they work together to stop Mordo, Mephisto. I mean, Mephisto could yeah. show up again. So I yeah, mean. Mephisto, Nightmare, all on the table. We're gonna be. I mean, what? Who was the other guy? Null, that we were talking about. Remember, towards the end of WandaVision, yes. with the 
creator of the dark hole or like the chaos magic. God, that one uh, vision was crazy. We were doing Kathan. Jeez, Kathan, we were doing yeah. the craziest. Knoll is actually how they get like the Venom symbiote. Jesus, which actually relates Look. to the next thing we're going to talk about. Thor: Love and Thunder is going to have Christian Bale, who's going to be Gore the God Butcher, who in the comics his sword is actually like has some relation to the symbiote. I don't think they'll do it this way in this movie. But, I mean, this movie we have coming back, obviously, of Chris Hemsworth. You have uh, Tessa Thompson. You have uh, Kurt Russell, who's coming in. You got Natalie Portman coming back, um, which is going to set up the Lady Thor, I think. Or is it just, is she just Thor? I don't really remember how she's called in the comic books. I think it's just Thor. Or is Jane Foster's Thor? Thor. Um, So I'm excited to see how they do that because you obviously you have the the hammer and you have uh, Stormbreaker. Um, Who knows what Cap did with that hammer in uh, at the end of Avengers Endgame. Maybe we'll find out some stuff about Thor, Love and Thunder in Loki. What do you think about that? Because Loki, I think think that's yeah. And I think Loki, I mean, he calls out to his brother in the trailer for Loki. So I think that would be interesting. I think one thing that I'm super interested in and hopeful for especially after falcon and the winter soldier is seeing natalie portman return to the thor movies in a sense that she's kind of done basically after thor 2 which was where she was basically just this possessed person for like the majority of the movie and not really doing anything but then she shows up at the end game premiere when that happened just randomly and everyone's like well why is she here she was done with mcu and now we're seeing again she's going to be playing Thor, essentially, which I think is really interesting because, again, Taika, who directed Ragnarok, is doing this one. So he rebooted Thor in such an interesting and great way. So if we're able able to see that Sharon got rebooted in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, how will Jane Foster be rebooted and take advantage of the fact that now the apartment does have a a lot of talent instead of just being this side character She's yeah. actually going to have a more fleshed out. And I know the comics do have that she has got cancer, a storyline. Yep, that's how it goes. And the hammer helps save her. So, and, and then, I mean, yeah, Valkyrie is back in this movie, too. So, I mean, it's going to be such a... All these movies are so stacked. And the Guardians. have gone to that point. Oh, yeah. The Guardians. Yeah, I, it's going to be such a fun movie. Yeah, like, that's going to be... I mean, that... The, the trio, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Thor, Love, and Thunder, is un freaking believable and what comes next on the slate is it black panther wakanda forever is that what they announced as the next one i saved the picture because that's you know that's what we do here uh yes it comes out so thor love and thunder is may 6th and then black panther wakanda forever is july 8th Mm-hmm. And so Black Panther Wakanda Forever, the sequel to Black Panther, obviously Ryan Coogler, the director, is having to deal with a crazy amount of stuff with the tragic and heartbreaking passing of Chadwick Boseman last year. Um, there are a lot of rumors right now that Michael B. Jordan as K- Eric Killmonger could come back and be the next Black Panther in a way. I know a lot. Of, there are examples in the comics of Shuri doing it. I'm curious what you think of. Would you rather have them go forward with Shuri, or because of how crazy Marvel is, we know they could figure out a way to bring Killmonger back? Would you want that? I think it's more ambitious to have them lean into Shuri as the character. 
because mm-hmm. again, you're keeping while you are keeping that, you know, it's T'Challa's sister in the storyline. This happens in the comics. You're again betting on the fact that you're going to put the mantle and the responsibility of this character on someone who has that similar vibe that Tom Holland brings to Spider-Man where it's mm-hmm. like this uncertainty, this super fun and really enjoying what they're getting to do. Like he enjoys being Spider-Man. You can tell. And Peter Parker enjoys being Spider-Man through Tom Holland's performance. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Shuri would have that same kind of opportunity and make the same kind of impact in a sense. Yeah. I think that Shuri is definitely a route they could take. I am leaning more towards, I would love to see Michael B. Jordan take up this mantle because it's such a, like, if you think about it, a giant role, the Black Panther, if you think about it, in the comic books, in Marvel, in every storyline that happens in the world. And I think Michael B. Jordan doing that would be incredible, just as I think it would be incredible with Shuri. But why I think it will be Michael B. Jordan is that commercial that came out the other day was like the first scene is Chadwick and Michael B. Jordan talking about brothers and family in the MCU. I think Michael B. Jordan, maybe he won't return and become Black Panther, but I expect him to come back because I do think this movie isn't going to have a central antagonist. I think it's going to be like a group of people that are like the main dealing with like the struggles that are going on with the passing of T'Challa and opening the world to Wakanda. Um, So whether that be Okoye, Shuri, um, and I'm forgetting other people's names, but what do you think of that? I think, no, I think that's an interesting way to put it because again, I think Marvel also recognizes that they have, I mean, like a sports analogy, like they have such a roster of talented people. So it's like, why not keep, if you have Michael B. Jordan in your, on your bench, why not bring him back into the game and have him be a part of it? Like you said, in the sort of teaming everyone, similar to how, which we'll discuss in a second, the Marvels is a different kind of direction for Captain Marvel mm-hmm. too. So I think, um, I think doing that will really allow the characters to be fully more fleshed out in this movie that again, is going to serve, I think as a tribute, but also like a launching point to where, they're going to take the characters of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you mentioned the Marvels. This is going to take the place of Captain Marvel 2. It's essentially is Captain Marvel 2. But she will be joined by Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. And then we're assuming she will be uh, uh, joined by as well, Monica Rambeau, who will be Spectrum, Photon. Who knows? She's even Captain Marvel once in the comic books. Um we think that this show or movie will tie in heavily with the show Secret Invasion. Um, we haven't really talked about many of the other Disney Plus shows today. We'll do that another time because there are just so many movies that we just got thrown in our faces. But the Marvels featuring those three probably dealing with Secret Invasion. Um, I'll start with this. I mean, the thing I'm most excited for to see is the interaction between Carol and Monica because there definitely felt like there was some bad blood there in... Um, WandaVision when her name came up. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's gonna be interesting because we don't really get um we haven't had tension between people necessarily to that level. Maybe Steve and um Tony mm-hmm. at some point you Definitely. know had the tension of differing leaders. So I'm excited to see that play out the two of them. I think it'll be inter- I think it's interesting that this movie is being served as a more of a, like again a team effort similar to Wakanda Forever, how we're kind of theorizing as opposed to our traditional routes where it was Iron Man 2, it was Captain America set up the Civil... 
my words. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. There you go. So I think it's interesting the way they're kind of creating these movies of like we're bringing people together that make sense to be together to create these. I'm interested to see where because what hasn't been talked about is yes, this is the next phase of the MCU, but where in the timeline do these movies land? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that, that's thing. a great point too because we haven't really gotten that answered to us. Uh, another movie that was confirmed, it's coming like four years after it was supposed to with all the James Gunn drama, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be coming. Hopefully we get to finally meet Adam Warlock. Um, I love the Guardians. Star-Lord's one of my favorite characters in the entire MCU. Obviously love Rocket and Groot. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with Gamora and how she tackles whatever her new mind that she's going to have basically going forward in the MCU. So I think that'll be really interesting. What's the big thing that jumps out to you with this movie? So the first thing that stood out to me is, and I'm excited about this to have um, a differing of opinion from you, because I feel like we agree on so many things. Mm. But star Lord is actually one of my least favorite characters. You don't like MCU. star Lord. He's not, like he's like way he's like down on the but I mean that's another podcast but I'm yeah, excited yeah, yeah. that we have a difference um that was that was a, what stood out to me but I, I'm excited for this movie because again they're so irreverent so off traditional MCU with what they can do and their soundtracks mm-hmm. are always yeah such... well that's like a big part of the Star Lord love for me is that his <laughs> he is the reason that there's those great soundtracks I. All right, and, and not he's not the reason, obviously. Taika or not Taika, James Gunn and whoever he has choosing the songs, it's not Starlord, but like the way he brings him in, that's a mm-hmm. big part. But we'll get, again, topic for another pod. Um, back to you. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they're gonna where they're gonna go with the Guardians of the Galaxy, where they can take them next. Because again, we're having Adam Warlock, but again, mm-hmm. where do you go that you haven't already gone? I mean, we covered two really strong. The movies are both super strong, in my opinion. So it's like, what is next? And I like that uncertainty that we don't really know for sure where they're going, other than it's the familiar roster of characters, but what's next? Absolutely. Um, Next one we have teased. We've known about this. It's going to be Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantum Mania. I believe we'll get Kang here. Kang the Conqueror um, will be some sort of villain um, in the uh, quantum realm. I think we're going to be dealing with a lot of that, obviously, based on the title. Um, this movie is quite a bit away, so we don't need to go into it too much. So I'll just ask you, uh, what is the the thing for you in this movie that you're looking forward to? What stands out when you hear about it? The cast. I think it's such a fleshed yeah. out. Like, similar to Guardians of the Galaxy, you have such a strong cast with, um, with yeah, the main cast and then the... Yeah, why am I forgetting? you got Paul Rudd, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Thank Douglas. I, who plays... Evangeline Lily, like, yeah, you got, and then obviously, um, Cassie, do we think she's going to be a superhero? Cause she aged up in Endgame. uh, Scott's yeah. daughter. And again, that movie again, just has such a, a I want to say quirky doesn't sound like the right word, but you know, it's not mm-hmm. traditional. It's like, it's so off the bean path and I'm excited to see hopefully, um, our guy from WandaVision. Oh, Jimmy Woo, my guy. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for him to him. come back. And when we didn't touch upon Wakanda Forever, hopefully has um, Zemo. Oh, yeah. And possibly Bucky. Who knows? Oh, yeah. I think... How can we forget Bucky? Yes. Where else yeah. will Bucky go? Um, so I think that's two possible things. I, Wakanda Forever has just so many things they're going to tackle. I'm very curious to see how they organize all that and how that works out. Um, next movie 
Captain America four has just been it's not it wasn't on this uh, announcement. There was a tease at the end that we'll get to next. But Captain America four with Sam Wilson as Cap. We just obviously saw obviously saw the end of Falcon in the Winter Soldier. Um, in Captain America four, Peter, quickly, do we think it's going to be maybe a continuation of Falcon in the Winter Soldier, where he's learning more about the power broker? Or do we see Sam as Captain America fight some old school Captain America villains, like maybe bringing back the Red School because we saw him in Endgame? That could be cool. So, I guess I will talk about what I mentioned earlier that I was going to mention to you afterwards because it's relevant to this conversation mm-hmm. of having Captain America 4 starring um, our new Captain America. So DC announced today, oddly enough, I don't know if you saw it, but um, they're going to move forward with their storyline of having a black Superman. Yeah, they want Michael However, Jordan. I feel, but like. they're also gonna. It's gonna be Kal El. They're not gonna do it like in the comics where you had there was a different character who took the mantle of Superman. They're essentially just casting the same Superman role with a black actor to mm-hmm. be Superman, which again just seems like you're retreading on what Marvel's doing so well. Freaking Henry Cavill's birthday too when they said yeah, that. Yeah, and it's just like uh, you had the perfect Superman, and you're just like well, let's do what works for Marvel and try to recapture that. And it's like, you can't do that. Marvel has a pattern, a strategy. They have a history they're leaning on of how they're following this organically into happening. So it's just like, I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to hopefully see him against the power broker. I think that would be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, sorry. My dog is a crazy person. He's a boogie. Please stop talk. Stop, stop, stop. We're going to cut this, but this is just ridiculous. What are you doing? She's gone. She's, she's gone, bro. Stop. Boogie. Boogie, deep breaths. Deep breaths, my man. All right, we're back. Sorry for the little uh, dog delay there. Mr. Boogie Man lost his mind. Um, so Captain America 4, a lot of things to answer there. There's obviously the Superman stuff that we were talking about with uh, just then. And I think that obviously is a direct correlation to what Marvel just did. Captain America. And I wasn't going to get into this question, but since you brought it up, if you're Michael B. Jordan, would you rather be the new Black Panther or Black Superman? You know, I think that, I mean, that's a hard position to be in for an actor to kind of choose from because you can either jumpstart a brand new storyline in a major production. Mm -hmm. But again, it's also, they've also said it's not part of their storyline, it's like part of their extended universe which they're, they're trying so to do dumb it's just like do you, i think it's Peter, like, do you just choose black panther on the th- thought alone just because it's like i don't want to deal with dc and it's Warner stability Brothers? it's like you know that that the marvel gets it right more than they get it wrong they will get it right so it's mm-hmm. like why not go into this where you again you have the ability to get it right and be not looked at through the critical lens of like, oh, you're basically trying to redo the Falcon and you're, you're not trying to do something completely brand. It's, yeah, it's like, it's a no-brainer. It's like, why? Yeah, um, just, I mean, DC, we, that's another, like, we were going to talk about the Snyder Cut and then right when we got time for it, basically, DC put out all this stuff about how it doesn't matter, like, and like, it's, they're not going to continue on in that. And DC just has no storytelling ability whatsoever. Which is wild, but that's where we are now. Peter, we get 
at the end of this commercial trailer for Marvel, we get the Fantastic Four tease, which everyone is waiting for. We're really waiting for the Fantastic Four and the mutants, the X-Men, to come to the MCU now that Marvel has their rights. So another little tease by Marvel of the Fantastic Four, kind of showing to us that they are going to start with the Fantastic Four before they do mutants is what the vibe I've gotten from stuff that they have released publicly, which I'm fine with. We just obviously had a ton of X-Men movies, and um, yet while we did have a few Fantastic Four, those characters have never been given any justice whatsoever on the silver screen, so would love to see that. Um, I think we should do a full thing on fan casting for Fantastic Four. Um, I will leave you with this, though. I do not want Doctor Doom to be the main villain of the first Fantastic Four. Doctor Doom is the best villain in the history of the MCU. Where This is a good preview for what we're about to talk to. Doctor Doom is my favorite. Give Doctor Doom a solo movie. Give me a Doctor Doom solo movie. Doctor Doom fights Shuri as the Black Panther. That's like a whole thing. There's so many ways they could use Doctor Doom in this MCU that they built, even with Doctor Strange. He has ties to Mephisto. There's lots of cool ways to use Doctor Doom. And so more so than the Fantastic Four, I am looking forward to Doctor Doom. What about you? I like that. I like because I mean I grew up watching. There was this cartoon. I don't know the cartoon Fantastic Four yep. with Doctor Doom, where it was like he was mm-hmm. such a dope villain. Like back in the day, growing up, you're like that's who is just so rad. And I think again to kind of have that where he an origin maybe in Fantastic Four one. You know, we kind of see him helping them working together because again that's the worst kind of betrayal that we can tell. It's like when someone who was by your side the one that ultimately becomes your worst enemy it's like mm-hmm. i can also see it tying into captain marvel back to the you know that pilot woman who oh, yeah. was her mentor with her mm-hmm. hyper jet thing yeah like, oh well one thing really quickly you know who wouldn't like dr doom zemo because remember zemo's talking about how all those neighboring countries like took yes. parts of Sokovia. Bet you one of those was Latveria. Give us Doctor Doom. Give us, us give us him in a solo movie. And don't screw him up. Of all the things you're going to do in the MCU going forward, just don't screw up Doctor Doom. If we get a great Doctor Doom, that can fix a lot of things. I don't think they're going to screw up anything, but I really, really want Doctor Doom. Peter, anything and a, else? And on... a good Fantastic Four yeah, go. cast, which again, another episode, but like a solid Fantastic Four but that's another episode. Yeah, and it's just... It seems so easy to cast a good Fantastic Four, but we really haven't seen it. Um, so, I mean, apologies to Chris Evans as the Human Torch. Uh, but let's, uh, Peter, let's go into our last segment here on the Pineapple Couch today. Let's do the top five villains of the MCU so far, and then next week we'll be back again. We'll talk a little bit more about the future of the MCU on Disney+, Plus because today we really focused on the future of the MCU in the theaters. And then in, I'm sure we'll have a little segment like we have now. We're dealing with the technical issues, folks. We're just powering right through them. That's how we're doing it. Um, so stay tuned for next week. We'll have more uh, cool uh, future of the MCU talk and uh, theories, rumors, etc. But... For today, let's end the episode with the top five villains of the MCU. Um, Peter, should we go from one to five or five to one? Five to one. Okay. 
Um, while you get your camera uh, a little more secure, there we go. I'll start with my fifth. I okay. will take Mysterio, Spider-Man Far From Home. I think that not many people will appreciate that, but I thought he did a great job of messing with Peter and being that Tony Stark-type figure. And Jake Gyllenhaal, obviously, an unbelievable actor. And as someone who is obsessed with Spider-Man and has read all the comics and has played all the video games and has watched all the TV shows, the fact that they brought in Mysterio and made him work and be cool and have it work was a dream come true ever since I played the Spider-Man 2 video game back in, like, 2004. So a little bias there with the Mysterio, but I thought he was incredibly effective in that role, in that role and I hope we do not see the last of him. So I have Mysterio at five. What about you, Peter? I think at five, I'm going to toss in Agatha. I think I'm going to toss in a really strong introduction to a villain that kind of went toe-to-toe with the Scarlet Witch and kind of, Mm -hmm. um, again, sets the tone for things to come. I think she's going to be someone that's going to kind of cause more problems going forward. And I thought it was just just the right mix of what you want a villain to be in that they really mess with the hero by betraying them in the best way possible. So that would be my number five. I like that. I like that. That's a good pick. My number five, um, I'm going to go with the villain from Thor Ragnarok, Hela, who I thought was incredible in that movie. Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite movies in the MCU. Um, The way she shatters Thor's hammer, um, the battle um, that we have of her taking out like Thor's eye, her going against uh, what is the dude who destroys the planet? The Surtur. Yeah, she fights Surtur. I just really liked, and I believe that's Kate Blanchett, right? Mm-hmm. That's her name. I thought yep. she was incredible in that movie and such a good, uh, just played a great Hela. And I think that you'll see this later in those like Thor villains are just awesome. So Hela will be my number four pick. My number four pick will be Killmonger. I mm. think it was a solid, it was a solid showing. It had the again. I like the villains that have the closeness to our heroes that are able to yeah. kind of really get at them in the best way. I think Michael B. Jordan was such a good r- character in that role because, again, he's able to mirror what Chadwick Boseman did with T'Challa in, like, the two sides of the same coin and really brought this energy to the role that was, again, something that people hadn't seen before, and I thought it was so well done. Yeah. Um, I, he was right on the borderline for me. He, uh, I have him like right on the outskirts of my list with like the red skull, but definitely, um, hopefully we get more of him and I don't think he'll be a villain though. So, but we've seen that with some of the, uh, villains in the MCU. So my number three, I mean, he's the best dancer in the MCU. We're just going to get more and more of him. I love you, Zemo. Zemo is my number three villain. The way he puts the Avengers against each other in Captain America Civil War is like maniacal but incredibly entertaining and just i think i want every time i get zemo i want more of zemo i think he is a fascinating character and i think daniel Bruhl just does an unbelievable job with him and yeah i maybe it's a little recency bias for seeing him in falcon winter soldier but i just love zemo he would have been in this regardless so that's my number three that's your number three. Interesting. So my number three, I'm going to have to go with, maybe this is unpopular. I'm going to go with Thanos at number three. I feel like, yes, he was the big bad of so many movies and so many things. But I just feel like 
there I had a lot of I had a lot of problems with him as a villain and as a character. Mm-hmm. I felt like there were times that he was too strong or not strong enough or just it just didn't all gel for me. But um, again, strong villain. I mean, he dominated the first several several movies and was a formidable foe for the Avengers. But um, I would give him a number. Wow! Three. Right, what number are we at? Three. You, yeah. yeah, you just gave Thanos three. I'll follow you at number two. I have Thanos at two. Um, Thanos was incredible in Infinity War. That was really Thanos's movie. Um, a little not as good in Endgame, if you ask me. But still, I thought the idea of him and the inevitability of what he was doing. Um, you are right in where he does have some flaws, but I think that those flaws are really well covered up because you have Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., and Chris Hemsworth around him, Benedict Cumberbatch, just putting on the performances of their lives uh, going against Thanos. So I do have him at number two. I, I keep I have him at number two and not number one because I don't know I I, I it's not his like it's Thanos's face doesn't give you more than like because he's a purple alien it's like he doesn't like it doesn't evoke the emotions out of me as this as my number one which um, maybe that's fucked up but he's like ten feet tall and he's a purple alien and he's trying to kill everyone so it's like part of you when you take a step back you're like wait, what is going on? So that's where, still love him though. Have him at number two. What do you got? My number two pick would be Hella. I think, you know, oh, so we have go. similar people on this, on this, but um, for me, it was just the fact that she was going toe to toe with Thor and, you know, she was the firstborn of Odin. So, I mean, that was an mm. interesting, and oh, I just, that line sent out to me after she rips out his eye, you know, where she's like, I'm the goddess of death. And then, has that great when she's like what are you the god of and then we have that massive fight scene uh, with the lightning and everything so awesome and again just to see Kate Blanchett be able to play I mean she played Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings the complete mm-hmm. polar opposite yeah. of this character <laughs> and just to great dive point. in with so much just like gusto for the role and just really mm-hmm. be a villain that was like Thor really had to go to the very end to like take out so that's my number two pick that's a great pick. I'll stay in the Thor universe. My number one pick is Loki, the villain of Avengers one. He, I, this is, I said that it's got to all be based on the MCU, which it is. Tom Holland is, or Tom Holland, Tom Hiddleston is incredible. Every single thing he is in is perfect. He saves Thor, the dark world. He, I, Loki, I am so is maybe the Disney plus. So I'm by far the most excited about, I think his villain, how he's a villain, his trickery, how he just always betrays people, but he's still like humanized in a way because he was just always thrown aside. And he just kind of is funny and he fucks people over and it just never gets old for me. And I've read like 10 Loki comics, so I just love Loki. But he's my number one. I, he's Avengers 1. It was tough to choose between Loki and Thanos. I went Loki partly because you convinced me a little with your Thanos thing. So I'll let you take the number one now. You know, this is just too funny, but I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that my number one villain pick, Shocker, is also going to be Loki. I go. think that just, the, again, this series, the hype I'm, I have for it is, is just unreal because you have this balance of someone who is this villain who is going to do all the bad things, but at the same time will save his brother. We'll do, we'll show up with a ship at the end of Ragnarok. I mean, we talk about Ragnarok so many times and he was yeah. such a huge part of that movie. And it's just to see. And then, of course, 
he's died a couple of times already and you know he keeps coming back and yeah. I, I think that and the this fact is like that, a mischievous one we're getting back yeah it's a nice it's interesting to see again because we had the reboot we had the range of the character but now we're going mm-hmm. back to bring a different version of this character so I think it's it's just an opening to where the MCU can go because he has a villain he's not as fully cemented as a villain in the way that I think Thanos was or Hela. Mm-hmm. But again, he's a villain that is so deeply embedded with the, the good guys that you when it doesn't until you see it happen, you're like, oh wait, he is gonna screw us over. Or oh yeah. wait, he saved the day. And it's just like and then Tom Hiddleston's delivery like you talked about is just so spot on. Just walk that line of like the snark and the humor and the compassion. Because again who didn't get emotional when they saw that scene at in Infinity War, you know? That one yeah, that was episode. tough. That was tough. And I didn't think that was going to be the case, but again, you see you see the the conflict of that character who is a villain but at the same time has his own best interest at heart and is going to carry that through to the end. Mhm. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I want to say to all the haters out there that are going to nitpick our lists, and I don't I can't speak for Peter on this. We'll see here. But I didn't include Bucky because or the winter soldier even though because the winter soldier is like maybe a top five mcu movie i don't think of bucky as a villain he was a hired gun whose brain was washed to do all this stuff and then he's only a villain for that brief part of the movie because then you eventually realize he's being mind controlled so it's that's why for me i don't have the winter soldier even though like when he was a bad dude it was gnarly but it just wasn't him does that make sense yeah, and it's interesting because the, for those same reasons, I didn't include him or Zemo because, again, I don't know what Zemo's going to do next in the sense of, again, Zemo just blew necessarily... up a car. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, again, but is he a villain or is he an anti-hero? Like, what is what classifies a villain, you know? Because I feel like, again, he walks that line that Loki, who is theoretically a villain, walks yeah, as well. Yeah, but some I would Zemo, say... again... Some would say that the best villain is an anti-hero, kind of, because it's like that relatability we're talking about. I think that was your main point that you, it, you you articulated it better than I did about Thanos. I was just mainly talking about his 10 feet tall and purple. But it's just like it's not relatable. It's like it's more like he just is so entrenched in villainy, like you're saying. So, I mean, if we look at our list, like Loki, Zemo, very Killmonger, very anti-hero-esque. And, I mean, Mysterio, not an anti-hero. He tried to make himself to be one, but, you know, we know how that works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised that we both had the same number one. But I, I'm glad we – it wasn't the exact same. So we have a little – we have a little differences. Maybe we'll do – we need to do, like, a Marvel draft where we each draft, like, a team of superheroes. And then that's when we can get into all the debates about who's the best. That'll be good. I like that. I think that'll be rad. All right. Uh, Peter, anything else this week before we sign off? Um, no, just that it's, um, I think it's renewed my excitement and hope it's renewed the listeners excitement for the movies that are to come and yep. maybe inspired a rewatching of Iron Man three and Ragnarok, the two Let's movies go. that we cannot stop talking about. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's how you know they're good. All right. Well, Peter, thank you so much for being on. Like always, we'll see you next week. Uh, and to everyone listening, thank you so much. Let us know who your top five villains are of the MCU. Let us know if you think we were wrong, who you, who we should have included, um, all that sort of stuff. If you like what you're listening to, leave a five-star review. It helps more people find the podcast. I uh, love you all. Keep being a nerd. And we'll see you next time.
Thank you.